Great. Well, it is. Uh, we did this a few weeks ago, didn't we? What did we do it for? What was the Easter? Easter. Easter. Yes. <laughs> what does what does the resurrection mean for us when the three of us have this discussion? And here we are, um, fifty days later, or whatever the equivalent is, uh, and we're at Pentecost, and we're taking this break in Philippians to uh ask each other the question we asked each other what what does resurrection mean and uh, the three of us have been we've had several conversations now uh one of them sitting up on hollingbury golf course which was my favorite distant apart by the way um and about what does pentecost mean to us and um i think it's fair to say we've all struggled with this because uh, it's not a question i've been asked very often because we don't celebrate it as a festival very widely and certainly no one outside of the the, the church does um, so what we're, we're going to try and do today is just um give each of us a, a little moment just to try and sum that up what does pentecost mean to us today uh, and then we've given each other permission to butt in or ask questions or thoroughly disagree uh could get this could get messy um but we'll, we'll give it a while um so sam why don't you kick us off and bring us just what are the thoughts that have coalesced as you've thought about what does uh, pentecost mean to you i was just thinking you started with me last time surely <laughs> I, can't I might be wrong about that actually. i've got a thing um, that you you dropped kath in it last time and said kath should go first i'm going to look well, maybe i did um, <laughs> what goes around comes around and yeah. um, I think, yeah, I, so like Dave said, I really struggled with this question this week. Um, but the thing that kind of I felt like the passage was doing to me the most was it kind of made me want an openness to God. So I think um, when Kath spoke a few weeks ago on um, a passage in Philippians about, you know, knowing Jesus felt like oh that really is awakening in me a desire to genuinely be friends with Jesus in a way that I maybe have lost touch with a little bit or kind of I've intellectualized it and I want this experience again um, and I think this passage does that for me a little bit it makes me kind of um, want something again not that I want like the exact experience of Pentecost but I love that here's just the disciples who are just open to hey, what's, what's God going to do? Like, they know there's this promise that Jesus has made, but they don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know what it's going to be like. They don't know how it's going to work out in their lives. Mm. But there's a genuine openness to being surprised by God and to being used by God and to being um, transformed in some way, beautiful, by God. And I think I just crave that again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want to have a God that I can control. I want to have a God that blows my mind a bit. Mm. That's great. And what does that, what, what do you think that might look like for you, Sam? I don't know. Like, I really genuinely don't know. And I don't know if I need to know. Mm. But I also think that the way I've learned to be isn't necessarily as open-hearted as mm. these people are being in this story. Um, and maybe my, yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know what that might look like. But I just feel like if God were to want to surprise me at the moment, that maybe I'd be a bit more resistant to it than I wanted to. Mm. Again, I don't, ha I don't have any more language than that. I don't know. Because I don't want to put into my mind things that God might do that would surprise me because then that's me mm. putting boxes on it again. Mm. I don't know. Does that resonate at all for you two? Or is that not something you feel? 
No, completely. I think the resistance thing is 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 all over me because of some of the baggage around come Holy Spirit, fill me. Um, but please don't do that, you know, is, is sort of echoing in the back of my head. Um, and, and I don't want, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't want to be that way. I want to, I want to go, you, you know, the wisdom and the, and the gentleness and the kindness of the spirit. Why can't I trust in that? Just because some people in church history have tried to capture it and package it and say, this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes. It doesn't mean I have to swallow that. What, what between my and this incredibly intimate relationship that the spirit brings why can't i trust and say well do in me whatever you will because i because i do trust the the kindness and gentleness of the spirit and um yeah so but I, that sense of resistance coupled with a, a, a real genuine desire to be open is is always the, the sort of dichotomy i guess isn't it yeah. what about you kath yeah i think i think there's such a barrier with language isn't there at yeah. times and that sense of all of us have baggage when it comes to someone saying come Holy Spirit, whether that's from a conservative background or a charismatic background or just a non non church background. What does that even mean? Yeah. And, um, and I think for me, just opening up the wonder of Pentecost means that we get to think about this again in a different way and go, okay, well, what does it mean that the spirit is, is here with us and the spirits at work in our lives and just opening up that language in our heads and going, okay, God, I, I want to start thinking, where is your spirit in the day mm. and, and seeing the spirit in my connection with my boys or my um, breathing in and getting some patience from the spirit to love them and just, yeah, normalizing the fact that we live in a supernatural world and that the spirit is real rather than we live in a, I can see taste and touch world, I think is, mm. yeah, massive. Mm. And, and what did you, have you had other thoughts? What came to you as you thought about this question, Kat? Well, I found it, yeah, again, <laughs> we've all found it really hard to, cause it's not a festival I've, I've, I've put in my Christian calendar. I've kind mm. of, I've got, I've got Christmas down, I've got Advent down, I've got Lent, I've got Easter, um, I've, Pentecost feels quite remote but then I was starting to think about it I'm doing a spiritual direction course at the moment and I had to think about it a couple of weeks ago and um, just having to write down some stuff about it made me go oh I, the spirit is the one who fills me and enables me to to live life and to to breathe and to have connection with people and in a meaningful God-filled way and and then going back to the passage again well this is when it all started and this is the the amazing kind of birth of inclusivity in the church of the of the wonder of god going to every nation and to every people and to like it's the opening up of everything and and it's the heartbeat of of who we are as christians it's it's yeah it feels like there's this kind of point in history where jesus is and then this sudden like this is my hand action this sudden like blowing up of um the spirit can go everywhere and mm. god is everywhere and it's not just one person relating to god it's everyone suddenly gets access to god and acts is quite exciting when you read it like that of going oh and the ethiopian gets god and the, all these other people get this awareness that that god's real and in the midst of their lives day to day and can transform them and that that feels quite exciting yeah we can really underplay that can't we historically that 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 god moves from a nation that he's blessing to a kingdom that he's building that you know i think i think it's really hard for us culturally to understand we just think oh yeah it's nice you know it was such a good message it needed to be spread around more yeah. but we the, the the thousands of years of history that get broken at pentecost that says i you know that the prophecy of joel comes true and his yeah. spirit is poured out on all people mm -hmm. 
we can we can forget what an incredible sort of moment that is, isn't it? Mm. But also, like I feel like there's tons of <clears throat> like signposts throughout the Hebrew scriptures towards that. So, like basically, whenever the Holy Spirit comes up anywhere in the Bible, not just in the New Testament, it doesn't all of a sudden be that the Holy Spirit is about getting out and spreading the word and the inclusivity in the New Testament. I agree, there's a change of direction, there's a change of focus here. But um, like the Holy Spirit's always been about that. I remember thinking doing a kind of study on this a few years ago and thinking about the first time the Spirit is mentioned in Genesis one, and he's just hovering over kind of lifelessness on the earth. And this is where the spirit wants to nurture life is in the kind of least likely place or whatever. And then you kind of look at um, the, that bit in Ezekiel where the river is flowing out of the temple and it gets deeper and deeper. But where does it want to go? It wants to go to the Dead Sea to bring life. And not, I'm, I'm not saying everyone outside the church is like dead or anything like that, but the, the spirit is always this outward moving spirit. It's always, that's always been, because that's the heart of God. It's not, um, it's not kind of, it shouldn't be a surprise to us, I guess, that Pentecost has this kind of dynamic, explosive outward focus. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And the story of, of Jonah and these other, you know, incredible bits right in the Old Testament where you go, oh, he's always trying to break out of the one nation theme uh, and bless and um, bring the good news to, to the nations. But it, it is, uh, the Pentecost is the birth of this church and the birth of, of something uh, new and different. I think I, I was thinking... Um, I was thinking with the backdrop of Philippians that we've just, well, we're still in really. And I was, I've been so struck by this Philippians 2 kenosis thing. I've really been chewing it over a lot. So inevitably it made it into my thinking about um, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And I think the thing that I've been sort of chewing over and thinking, thinking over is this, uh, again, it ties into what, what's already been said, but this, it's not this kind of show that show of power or whatever that sits external to people it's a it's another revelation of the nature of god just like jesus was the the uh, full revelation of god's nature the spirit isn't a different spirit and the spirit isn't kind of god 3.0 or whatever this is a continuation of a story and it, you know jesus saying i will send my spirit um, in you and and that thing about the philippines too that struck me so much and i know i keep bringing it up but this self-giving other empowering nature of god as the theologian thomas ord says self-giving other empowering and i think we can sort of see that in jesus because he got down and he washed the disciples feet and he you know he served and he gave them food and then the holy spirit i think we can really see the holy spirit as out there and he turns up every now and again and we say come holy spirit because he's not already here so we have to invite him and when he does something profound happens when actually it's the holy spirit in us revealing the nature of god self-giving other empowering and this implication that god can't do anything on the world without the agency of working within people who are full of his spirit that's a profound kind of theological discussion that we could have all day but if that's what pentecost is about that fascinates me you know that that the birth of the church is isn't a group of people who gather on a sunday and look up into the sky and say our job is to ask the holy spirit to come and see what he might do externally to us it's a group of people who day in day out 24 hours a day are saying what is the spirit doing within me because what he's doing within me is revealing my nature 
the nature that is revealed because I'm made in the image of God, which is always self-giving, always other empowering. So at the end of chapter two, when we see the church born, what do we see in this church? We see a self-giving, other empowering. You know, and it's so profoundly beautifully done, isn't it? So self-giving and other empowering that they sold their possessions and they made sure that no one was in need. I mean, that is spirit-filled Christianity because it's, it's reflecting the nature of God, self-giving and other empowering. And so for me, that's a hugely helpful place to be as opposed to a place where maybe I, I have been in previous years and decades, which is, you know, this is me walking through life with Jesus, but every now and again, I have to stop and ask for the Holy Spirit to do some weird stuff around me to kind of prove to me and the world that he's there, as opposed to the Holy Spirit that um, is the voice in me that says, come on, you were made to actually to be self-giving and other empowering. So love your neighbour and be compassionate to the people in your, your house. And, um, and that's what you were made for. So that, that I, I think that's quite an exciting thing. And I'm sure there's something around um, the wind and the fire and the water that's talked about as people were baptised. I'm sure there's something in that about it's, it's really elemental what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't invent new stuff to show that he's here amongst us. It feels like almost like God saying, you're made of, of the earth and here is water and here is earth and here is wind and here is fire. This is the stuff of life and earth and the spirit is going to be in all of those things and in you, you know, the dust that you're made from and, and giving you life and breathing life into you. Um, and if, if that's what Pentecost is about, then that's... that's brilliant. I think maybe those images have been potentially unhelpful for me though of, and probably for other people as well is when you think of the holy spirit as fire or as wind mm. those are i i get the imagery that those things need like are trying to have in the narrative in the story mm. but they're kind of non-personal images and they can lead us to this kind of non-personal image of the holy spirit where the holy spirit is like god's forced field that he kind of tops us up with or like god's petrol so you know i'm leaking it and i need to top up so that i've got this power and then all the holy spirit is is like a charge that i kind of tap into that i kind of can use like kind of this kind of force field thing um rather than a person and if it's a person then it's exactly what you were saying is this is actually this is the heart of god this is not distinct from the personhood of jesus not other than the personhood of the father, but this is a person that's wanting to take up or be more present in my life or take up residence in my life or however you say it, mm. that's bringing a kind of himself and his own transformation, his being, his attributes into my life. It's mm. much more, much more fun really than having a, a fuel top up at yeah. the petrol station. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it, it comes down to you know us as church, us as being together. It's it's trying to not live. You know, coming back to your point <clears throat> early on, Sam. You know, for for me to be spirit filled, self giving, other empowering, will look different to Kath. You know, you being filled with the Holy Spirit will look different from X, Y, or Z in our in our church community. And how do we honour that and allow that and be at home with that? You know, some people when they, you know, when they when they sing, they're, they're demonstrative kind of people. So it makes sense to me that when the Holy Spirit fills them, 
it feels the demonstrative nature of, of who they are. Some people are more reflective, more within their heads and not their hearts. Um, some people are different numbers on Enneagrams, you know, whatever, whatever measure you want to do it in. But the spirit, I think, wants to, wants to sort of, through fire and through wind, wants to reveal what is, what is really there in you. And it's a self-giving, other empowering nature. Um, and so the spirit should also make us less judgmental of one another and more interested in what the spirit's doing in me, as opposed to a much more sort of panacea of if the spirit's working in the church, then we're going to see you're going to do this or you're going to do that. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's what Paul was talking about in Corinthians when he's just mm. saying, stop arguing about who's doing what, and who's, who's speaking in tongues now and all the rest of it. And, and just get on and love each other. And the, I think, the overlooked nature of the spirit sometimes is just the simple being able to love each other, be mm. kind, be patient, be gentle, and be able to have a relationship with God and where we can be intimate mm. with God. Like the spirit that talks about somewhere talks about a spirit um, helping us to cry out daddy to God and, and that mm. sense of intimacy. Um, we can have that, that sense of God with us without the spirit. And, and sometimes just naming that is really helpful, isn't it? So mm. we're not, we're not saying like these bits of the spirit and this bit is just my relationship with God. It's actually the spirits in all of that thing. And it's, yeah, that's quite. Yeah. I think that's the kind of, we need to wrap up, don't we? But I think that feels like you just summarized something beautiful there, Kath, which is that we being open to the spirit is being open to being loved and sharing love. Yeah. yeah. And, and being open is the key part of that phrase. You know, the, the, how do we hold our lives open to be filled with the gifts of the, the spirit that manifest themselves in the fruits of the spirit? Um, that would be, uh, you know, our, our church wouldn't have to worry about mission or evangelism or any of these things. It would just be a magnet for people to come because they find that they're that nobody's in need and we love we love one another.